Hello and welcome to Infinite Discussion, the show where we cut through the small talk and discuss the things that are most important to us. I'm your host, Will. I'm a writer and content creator, and what's important to me is stories. They give us windows into other lives and help us make sense of our own. In this episode, we'll talk all about stories. Joining me for this discussion is my sister and story expert, Brenna. She's a storyteller, story writer and reader, and story lover. But why don't I let her tell you about herself? I am a writer and a reader and have been an English teacher off and on for the better part of 20 years. So I've spent a lot of time thinking about stories. Amazing. Let's, uh, let's get right into talking about stories and what they mean to us. So what do stories mean to you, Brenna? Wow, that's such a huge <laughs> I know, and you can break it down. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I think like you have to break it down, right? Because there's each individual story has a meaning, but then we're sort of being way more meta here and thinking about what is it that stories themselves mean? And I guess our purpose here is to, by the end of this discussion, kind of come to some kind of conclusion, maybe, or understanding about that question. Um it's a lot to tease out, but I guess, mm-hmm. so what stories mean to me um, is very tied up in my own ideas about the nature of truth. And I say this as someone who primarily primarily writes fantasy, but for me, stories are about truth with a capital T. They are not true in the sense of like objective facts and realities and there are the you know like there's the level on which every story is a fantastic lie right but for me there's something about them that is deeply true and they're a window onto maybe truths that we don't have a better way of getting at i don't know if that makes sense that makes total sense because i think to me too i think a lot about stories as a perspective and and like I think that's kind of the same as what you're talking about with truth is it's sharing something, it's sharing meaning in a way, that truth, and finding a way to get it across through fiction specifically that rings true in a way that if you just told somebody the truth might not be as impactful or might not have as much meaning. And I think that that stories have this power to kind of tease meaning out of a narrative or an idea or a plot and they can really take you somewhere and let you arrive at that truth or understanding that perspective from someone else or a different story that you wouldn't have arrived at if they had just told you that objective truth again. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned sharing and keep coming back to that idea because I think for me that's the other thing that stories are, their connection between people and they're this kind of like almost magical connection that works much more potently than most human connections because they can operate across vast gulfs of time and space and even language if you know you translate what you're reading or someone's translated it for you and so I think they're much a much more powerful form of connection than a lot of others. And I think about when I write, I think about connection probably 
first before anything else. And I think about um, Ian Forster. Have you read Howard's End? No, I haven't. Have you read Ian Forster? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So good. Right. But he's yeah. all about the connections between people. He's a connection weaver. But in Howard's End, he's got this great quote. I think it's my favorite quote ever of all time. Only connect. That's a great one. And that was your, or still is maybe your kind of tagline on your blog. Oh, yeah. I had it as my tagline on my blog for a really long time. Yeah. Because I think that says everything that's most important to me about writing. Yeah, that's huge. An act of connection. Totally. I think that's a great point. And I think that's why we tell stories, right? Like we don't tell stories for the sake of telling them or for any other reason than to connect and to share ideas, to share experiences, to, and then on the other end as readers to live other experiences and have new experiences of things that we would have never encountered in our day-to-day life. And fiction is a great way to do that. And again, like you said, fantasy or any other kind of um, speculative genre is going to absolutely take you somewhere new, which I think is something that's really powerful about that. Yeah. Ugh, dogs are jerks. They they just, I don't know, they have their own ideas about what what's important and what's meaningful. And uh, that is... <laughs> they, the stories uh, dogs go tell for themselves are very different from the ones we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. I am sure. But actually, okay, so that weirdly does make me think of something that I was thinking about when you were talking about stories and connection, because I think they are also a way to connect with ourselves. Totally. They're a way to connect with our own like deepest truths, but also our, our fears and the dog is barking. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but they're a way to connect with ourselves because we mm-hmm. tell ourselves stories you know there's like and i think some of us do this on much more literal levels than others um but we all do that right we all kind of have in our minds the story of like who we are and mm-hmm. how we got to this place that we're at um you know if we're like single and not happy about it we might like have the story we keep telling ourselves about how like well i got burned really bad that one time and so i just would rather be alone or you know that kind of thing yeah um but then i think some of us like maybe and maybe i don't know is is this like a writer thing do you narrate kind of experiences to yourself before they happen can you talk a little bit more about that i'm not sure if i do maybe (laughs) so we're living in a new town in oh, a new okay. state, mm-hmm. and I just dropped my kids off for their first, like, going to visit a friend at his house thing. Mm-hmm. And I, like, wrote this whole story in my mind of how, because, you know, I'm new and I don't know anyone here. And so I'm thinking, like, well, I'll get there. And then maybe, like, the kid's mom will be like, oh come in and let's have tea and then we'll start talking and then Mm. she'll be my new best friend. And I like built up this whole thing in my head of like, maybe Uh this is how it will go. Yeah, totally. I definitely do that. And I think, I think it is literally telling myself these things in my head. Like I'm writing this little story of how I just found my new best friend. Um, and 
you know, of course she was like very nice, but you know, cut to the, the ending. She's not my new best friend, at least mm-hmm. not yet. So yeah. yeah, maybe a couple more visits before we get to that story. Yeah, but it's going to take a while, but it's yeah. the inciting incident maybe. Yeah. And this, then this gets back to dogs because I feel like I'm at the point here of being like the desperate golden retriever. Who's like, be my friend, be my friend, be my friend. <laughs> Um, another thing I was just thinking about too is um, as you were talking about connection and kind of making those connections in your life to stories and kind of storifying your life I had a moment like that um, last week I was walking through the woods and this kept happening where there would be a squirrel one time it was a squirrel one time it was a grasshopper I think there was also a bird where I would be walking along this path and it would be in front of me and it would move a little bit down the path to get away from me. And then I would keep walking and then it would move again and it would keep moving down the path. And I was like, it's just trying to get away from me. But in my head, I'm like, oh, the animal's leading me down this path. And it's like, <laughs> like in a story, this would be a moment of significance and meaning and connection to something. The, the animal would be taking me somewhere on this journey to lead me somewhere but in reality it's just an animal that's trying to get away from a stupid human who's walking through the woods down their path so i thought that made me think about stories a lot and about how they they're very different from our day-to-day life and the things they focus on and the things that and i think there is more meaning in them and they're a way for us to kind of extract meaning from normal everyday occurrences and mm-hmm. and that's kind of their purpose in a way like like you and I think that's what we're talking about the same thing when you're talking about connecting and I'm talking about meaning I kind of think those are really interlinked ideas yeah because the connection isn't necessarily that just the connection between the reader and the writer mm-hmm. between two people or even between the writer and themselves but it's connecting ideas and it's making order out of chaos and finding patterns and you were talking about like the animal and of course like the first thing i thought when you started describing that was it was totally leading you somewhere right it's trying to tell you something and like there's a level on which like of course no it was just trying to get away from you it's a squirrel it's a grasshopper it's whatever Mm -hmm. but then, I mean, think, you know, backwards in time or, or sideways in time to mm-hmm. how other less maybe reality obsessed cultures have viewed the world. And that absolutely was a sign. And I mean, if it was trying to get away from you, why wouldn't it have darted off the path? I mean, right. That's no, it wasn't trying to that's what was in my head at the time. I was like, why, why is this animal not just like jumping into the woods? It's like, that would be so easy, but it just keeps going down the path. Um, and maybe it's just easier or something from a practical standpoint, because, or maybe that's the way they would normally go. So they're just going their normal route. But yeah, I was like, it must be leading me somewhere. Clearly <laughs> there's more, more to this than meets the eye. Yes. Um, and another connection idea I've had recently that I've been kind of stewing on or just keeps popping back into my head is you know this idea that like as writers we're like tapping into like a higher level of consciousness or something and like our characters take over and have minds of their own and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. 
So I've been thinking about that because I've been listening to some podcasts of just writers talking about their process and that kind of thing and people talking about how they're, uh, they don't outline and they just let the story take them where it may. And I think there is this idea that writing is this, like when you think of like writing as an art and like just being super creative. But I think it's a, more about once you've created this character and this plot and set it in motion there are natural connections and that's why it feels like it's taking a mind of its own. It's really just all of these social constructs and psychology and things that we know about how the world works and about how people react in certain situations. And we connect the dots and we say, we have these characters in a situation and, and they just start doing things and we are, we can't write fast enough because they just keep doing things and we see the next thing they're doing and the next thing. And it's not really, I don't feel like it's really this like super inspired thing. I think it's more down to earth and more about, okay, we know we have the setup. So this is the natural thing that's going to happen from there. And that's when it feels like you're like really in the moment and, and you're seeing it all because you've, you've set it up and now it just kind of plays out, which I think is pretty interesting. And I think, you know, you can and often do try to make different things happen. And sometimes it feels forced and doesn't really work. Um, and sometimes it leads you somewhere really cool because you did stray from that path uh, in this example. But I think, I think there's something interesting there about how, you know, you're kind of creating puzzles for yourself as a writer. And once you've found all the pieces, there's a specific way that they, they want to fit together or, a natural order of how they fit together and then anything you do beyond that is kind of breaking the rules and I'm, I feel like that's kind of an interesting way to to think of that that is really interesting because yeah it goes back to like our problem or our pattern seeking brains mm-hmm. and that we're looking we're always looking for those connections but also we're setting things up to connect totally based on like what we know of how the world works um and then i think about like how you know on the one hand like nature can seem very random and chaotic but it also is full of patterns yes you know like a shell is a very you know like a spiral shell is this very specific kind of mathematical curl and you know there are weather patterns and cloud patterns and migratory patterns and as much as to human brains and i think especially modern human brains right nature can seem kind of chaotic and and random it's very connection and pattern driven too and everything is connected to everything else and so i wonder if there's just something like deeply ingrained in us that is story seeking Mm -hmm. because stories are patterns totally and you were talking about like breaking them and it reminds me you know that like old saw about how you know you have to learn the rules of writing before you can break the rules Mm -hmm. of writing and yeah totally that's what i was thinking too i was thinking that um there are a set of rules that you follow and when, when you break them, it, it can be powerful as long as you know that you're breaking the rules. 
And so that's why I think this is kind of an interesting way to look at it. And I like what you said about patterns and because I think we do need naturally seek patterns. And that is why we see like behavioral patterns and weather patterns and like you name it, there's patterns everywhere. And we do want to fit them together and we do want to, yeah, just see how they play out, I guess. Yeah. And it's interesting to me how I was not anticipating in like the talking that we've done about this subject already, like prior to this um, podcast recording, but it never occurred to me that I would start thinking about nature so much in connection with stories. Mm. But I'm thinking too about how, you know, people will say things like man is the tool using animal or the thinking animal or that, you know, there are all these like things that people like to say about like, this is what sets us apart from Mm -hmm. all the other animals. We do X and they don't. Um, And I wonder if really the, what the distinction is, is that we're the animal that tells stories. You cracked the code. That, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And like some people say or some, yeah, some people say it's because we can talk or like I've heard like the evolution of the tongue specifically allowed us to talk and its primary purpose was eating, but then it evolved to allow us to talk and that kind of thing. But that only serves the purpose of telling stories and communicating and connecting, right? Like that's yeah. a, that's a tool again. Um, yeah I feel like that's a secondary thing yeah and and two like people who can't talk or don't have tongues are not not human right and can definitely tell stories yeah and there are animals that you know animals talk and whether because they are like mimicking us or learning from us I mean it may not be verbal always but animals communicate I I feel like the talking thing is like I don't know I don't Mm -hmm. buy that (laughs) Yeah, but it doesn't, I don't know, do you think animals can tell stories or think of things in terms of stories? See, I'm trying to think if they do, and I can't, like, I I don't know. Same, it feels like Um, too, like, catching us off guard to think about this, but. Yeah. I feel like they might on a very basic abstract level, but certainly not in the same way that we do. Like, I don't think they would tell a story and find connection or meaning in it i think they would look at it as like um, oh this happened to me so this time i'm not going to repeat that mistake or last mm-hmm. time i went here i got a treat so i'm gonna go there again and in their head they tell themselves that story like you were talking about earlier like i'm gonna go into the kitchen and the human's gonna give me a treat because <laughs> that's the pattern right yeah i don't know if that's a story but that's as close as i can think off the top of my head yeah. I mean, maybe they do. I mean, I think about like, you know, gorillas that have been taught sign language who will mm-hmm. then like sign things that they did the day before. Yeah. Or something like that, which I guess is storytelling. But maybe, maybe it's like the level of storytelling. Like they don't fabricate stories. Mm-hmm. They might tell themselves stories or tell each other or us stories about what has happened or what is happening or what will or might happen like in this world on this plane of existence. Mm-hmm. But 
they're not like inventing stories. Okay, but a question. So maybe we... it's story invention. That's oh. what really makes us human. Yeah, I like that. And I'm just I'm trying to play devil's advocate to that idea though. Because I uh-huh. want it to be true, but to make to believe <laughs> in it, we have to like rule out all of the other possibilities. Um, oh, of course. Do you think like I feel like smart, really smart animals like I guess like dolphins and ravens are specifically what's coming to mind because they're scary smart. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think if they lie in some way, that is kind of fabricating a story? Like I can't think of exactly what a lie would be, but even well, I guess like even in my cats, like. I feel like they would lie about being hungry to get food when they're not actually hungry or something, you know, like, or I don't know, or try to trick another animal into not eating something because they wanted it. Like, I feel like a raven would do that or like, yeah, do you think that's like fabricating and Ooh, I don't know. That's a great question. Like our lies, <laughs> imaginative stories, because <laughs> I feel like animals can lie. Well, and yeah, I think you're right. I mean, our dog certainly does when she, you know, is all like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry, I'm dying. <laughs> and someone just fed life. her, but she yep. goes to the person who didn't. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you just exploded that. But I don't know, I think, like, that's still kind of different and, like, that same level, I think. I think we can still... Like, that's the only way I can refute that idea. So I think yeah. it's still pretty solid. We fabricate stories for the purpose of entertainment. Mm. Or we use them to make sense of the world. Yes. And I think a way that other critters do not. I think that's a good point, too. And, like, we do it for the purpose of art or for connection not to get something because i think an animal would do it to get something it wouldn't do it for fun or to reflect on it they're doing it as a tactic that is ultimately for survival probably right yeah like they don't all gather around and be like hey i'm gonna make up the story for you because y'all are looking bored with that piece of kelp that you've been kicking around for the past 30 miles Right, it's not like a pastime or a leisure yeah. activity or an art form. It's it's necessity. Yeah, but then I think for us, there's a level on which story is necessity. Yes, totally agree. Yeah, but maybe on a different level or in a different way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's part of me that resists anything, any attempts, even though I'm the one who started this, there resists attempts to like set humans apart from other animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story thing really feels like, you know, maybe this is, maybe there is something to this. Feels like there's something there. I agree. Yeah. But the stories that we tell can also either divide us from or connect us back to the natural world. Mm-hmm. And help us to find or establish our place in it. Wow, stories are and so powerful. And like our first stories, right? The first, I guess, recorded stories in like ancient religious texts that talk about like where we came from and how we got made out of what was laying around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are all stories about how connected we are to the world we live in that help us to see the patterns and to see the connections. Totally. Yep. We're connecting way back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful too, what you're saying about 
stories being essential because I think they are often seen as, especially fiction, as like a leisure activity or escapism or something. But even the most escapist works are vital or can be vital to certain people at certain times, whether it's the writer in writing it or a reader who just needed that mental space to get out of their life for a moment, whether that yeah. escape helps them to live by just stepping away or whether stepping away helps them to see their life in a different way. Uh, I think even like at its most base escapist level, it can stories can still be very meaningful and very vital. Yes. And it's not even just like, sometimes it's specific stories. And, you know, we've talked before about how there are certain stories that take on this like almost religious significance for certain readers at certain times. But there's also just the act of reading or listening to a story as kind of a saving act. Um, And I think about how, as someone who has an anxiety disorder, um, there was a period a few years back where it was just really rough. And the only way that I could find any respite from the constant churn of my brain was to sit down in the evening with a book and read. And it didn't matter what it was. I mean, it had to Mm. be like an because I needed that like thread of story, but it didn't matter what kind of story it was. If I was reading, I was out of my own head and I Mm -hmm. cannot remember any specific story that I read. I don't know if I read anything actually good during that time, but cumulatively the stories that I read saved me. Mm, That's amazing. Yeah. And I think that's super interesting. You bring up this point of, of the act of reading and absorbing stories as being vital. And because I think they are that, like they are that connection and they are, they, they give you experiences. And to me, that's what I keep coming back to is their shared experience. They let you make you feel like you're not alone in the way that you feel, the way that you see the world. Um, But they just take you somewhere. They let you see that there are, there are things outside of your head because it's so easy, especially nowadays, to get trapped in your head. Um, oh my gosh, yes. And sometimes you just need to get out of it for whatever reason, mm-hmm. for many reasons. And stories are a great way to do that. Yes. And they do that in a way that other kinds of reading, I think, don't necessarily. Mm-hmm. They have that magic. Yeah, and there's that thread, right? It's not just like chunks of information, but there's this thread that you have to follow. Um, and not just one thread, but many threads, like you're holding all these things in your mind at once. And so while you're following the main plot and what's going to happen to like, you know, Vortigern, the Knight of the Flaming Sword, you also have to hold in your head, like what happened to that bar wench back in the second chapter, because like she might come back into this later and you're like holding in, you know, this like legend of the dragon on the smoking mountain from chapter seven. And there are all these like things you have to pick up and hold together 
and that your brain is trying to find order and find the pattern in. And then that shuts down like that constant clamor of thought. Yeah. That for many of us is the reality of our quiet brains. Yes. I think you need to juggle multiple things in your head to really get out of your head too. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's like all the anxiety management techniques that focus on like keeping your brain so occupied that it doesn't have time to spiral. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Not like just focus on your breathing because that doesn't work for me. Oh my gosh. That's the worst. No, no, thank you. (laughs) That makes me more anxious. (laughs) Just focus on the sound of your own heart. No, I stopped. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Focus on stories. Or meditate. That's my favorite one. Oh yeah, just, just get meditate. deep in your head. Because when I'm quiet and alone with myself, my brain's definitely not going to run away. No way. With me, yeah. Oof, but we have stories, yeah. thankfully. Yes, we do. Yeah. Hmm. And they are like this. This act of salvation i think in both the telling or the writing and the reading or the listening and the sharing Mm -hmm. and that's another really interesting part about stories because i think we've talked a little bit about writing stories and what that means and about reading stories and or telling them orally or whatever um but there is also that middle ground of that that shared experience between the reading and the writing. I feel like I had a better idea of where I was going with this when I started talking. Now I'm not sure where it's going. But it is like the writer is sharing their ideas in the way they see it. But then there's kind of these abstractions that happen along the way. And then the reader is reading it and put layering in their own experiences. And the reading becomes kind of an art form in itself of connecting things and maybe not in exactly the same way the writer did it um but it's it's also telling a story reading it is telling it to yourself in a way yeah the reading is its own art i love that idea i'm trying to think of there was a book that i read like a few years ago and it was about reading and about like reading books slowly and I am trying to find out, trying to like track down what the hmm. title was because I don't remember. And it was this really great book, but basically it was this huge argument for reading novels really slowly and just like fully immersing in them and going down all the rabbit holes of like language and nuance and mm. it's driving me up the wall that i can't find the title that sounds cool ah. it reminds me of this idea of now like how we consume all kinds of media like binging a netflix show versus in the olden times when we used to like watch it and then wait a week and think about what had happened and all the possible things that could happen next Uh but now it's just like watch the next one and oh my gosh i love binging a show on netflix and i love how when you can binge it you can really like see the whole arc of it but at the same time like you say when we do that like we're missing the old way of the slow way of watching tv where you really like ruminated on something Mm mm-hmm 
and you dug into that nuance and yeah that's and there, a great point there was something special too about carving out the time in your schedule and being like at this time on this day i'm gonna watch my favorite show which is not something that happens now <laughs> which is kind of interesting. And that was like a connection too with other people because yeah. you knew everybody else was sitting down on, you know, Friday night at this time to watch the show. I mean, everybody who was like us and wasn't yeah. super cool. Um, but, you know. <laughs> and then like everybody the next day will be talking about the same show. Water cooler discussions of friends or whatever. Yeah, like does that happen anymore? I feel like every time I try to talk to people about shows I've been watching, we'll just list a bunch of shows that we binged and don't really remember details about it anymore because we just yeah. watched it and forgot and started watching the next thing. Or you talk about something and you're like, oh my gosh, did you see blah, blah, blah? And they're like, no, I don't have Netflix. I do Amazon Prime. Right. Yeah. That's a weird thing. And then someone else is like, oh, well, I don't know those because I do Disney Plus. Yep. And it's like our stories are all over the place. They are. But, you know, books are different that way because even though there are and have always been all these different publishers, like, nobody does that. Nobody is like, <laughs> oh, um, I only read uh, books from HarperCollins. Right. That would be <laughs> so, weird. Yeah. It's a different system. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see that, though, like, down the road as publishing tries to reinvent itself. Um, Maybe it'll go, like, a subscription model and they'll... Oh, no. That would be weird, right? I hope it doesn't. Oh, no. But... We're all going to go broke. I feel like Amazon would definitely do that. Because, I mean, I can do without, like, Hulu or whatever, but, you know, I can, like, commit to Netflix. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to make that commitment. But I can't commit to one publishing house. That would be weird, right? Like, again, I mean, cause... I'd be, like, buying a subscriptions to everyone, and then I would have no money. That would be a disaster, too. You can't win. Okay, so let's not not imagine that future. Let's let's not tell that story. <laughs> nope. <laughs> let's take it back. Take control of our own narratives. Oh my gosh! Oh, have you read Ceremony? No. By Leslie Mormon Silko. No. Okay, you have to read this book. Okay, adding to Goodreads. This is not optional. This is your homework. Oh, I found it. Okay, adding to Goodreads. Okay, so in Ceremony, there is, it's an amazing, amazing book. Um, but anyway, there is a thread of folklore that runs through it. There's like this, this folkloric story that is interspersed like throughout the novel. And one of the central things that happens in this story is that characters gather and they tell a story. And one of them starts telling the story and the other ones freak out. They get scared. It's, it's a gathering of witches. So already they are like, you know, kind of creepy, freaky, like dabbling in dark stuff. But there's this one witch who tells a story and it freaks out all the other witches. Like this story is so powerful that it scares the other witches. And the other witches say, we don't like that story take it back and it becomes very clear that a story cannot be taken back that once a story is set in motion 
It will. And this kind of like ties into what you were saying earlier about how stories kind of, you know, like run away from us and tell themselves a story once told cannot be untold. Mm-hmm. It sets something in motion. And so because the story within the story of ceremony, because the story is told, it sets in motion a chain of events that can't be stopped. Hmm, cool. It's like this this um toothpaste tube analogy that I was taught when I was like being trained to teach oral communication classes in college. Um that communication is like a tube of toothpaste. Once you squeeze it out there, there's no getting it back in. Like you can't take back words. Mm. Um, And basically Silco says that, but in a vastly more beautiful and profound way. Um, But yeah, we put stories out there and that's the other, like the flip side of stories is that, I mean, we've been thinking about like all of these good and wonderful things about stories because we love stories, but there are also stories that wound Mm, and that harm and even kill. I mean, you think about like the narrative, you know, that Nazi Germany was telling itself. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's a scary story with, you know, real serious implications for actual human beings. And then you've got people now who are trying to act like that was just some made up, like that the history was just some made up story. Right. And so there's that whole side of things that like stories can be manipulated and they can be denied. Yeah, stories can have a lot of power, which can be used for good or for ungood. Yeah. And then, like, we have very different ways of looking at them, too. Like, I think about how, obviously, you and I, like, speak of that, the word story with, I think, a certain amount of, like, reverence or at least affection because we love stories and are kind of obsessed with them. But there's also the, you know, people will say, like, oh, you're just telling tales. Mm-hmm. Like, to dismiss what someone's saying. Like, oh, that's just a story. Right. And, you know, implying that at best, you don't know what you're talking about. At worst, you're flat out lying. Right. And there's this idea that stories are fiction and fiction is... A lie. Yeah. It's either (laughs) malicious or a waste of time. Yeah. But they just don't get it. Like, they're just haters, I think. Yeah. I'm wondering now, like, I'm looking up the definition of lie. Let me see what Merriam-Webster says about this. Of lie? To be or to stay at rest in a horizontal <laughs> position. Wrong one. Yep, that's it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Verb. Wow, I had to really scroll to find this. To make an untrue statement with intent to deceive. Mm. So it's not just accidentally saying something wrong. It's, yeah, it's with the intent. There's intention. Yeah. But, but, but. I mean, don't we, do we intend to deceive when we tell stories? That's a good question. I was going to say definitely not. And then I was going to say definitely yes. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I sure. Think definitely go, right? <laughs> yeah. Like there's oh the, the kind of caveat or that disclaimer at the beginning of a lot of stories, both like 
movies and books and everything about how like this is any similarities to real persons or events are coincidence um and you know they're not right and when they say that that's when you know that it's actually 100 percent true <laughs> like especially when you're reading like a book that is say i don't know a fictional account of the life of em forster mm-hmm. yeah like any resemblance to any real em forster <laughs> is entirely coincidental. <laughs> no it isn't that must be when there's like a legal concern that yeah. That someone's going to come after them for appropriating this story. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's legalese for, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get, like, sued by the ghost of the enforcer. Yeah. But that's a really interesting question. I think we... Do we want to deceive? I don't think we do. And maybe there's, like, a very, like a very low level on which we do because we want people to like fall into the world of the story. Yeah. That's what but I'm I thinking. I think that when we tell stories, we're trying to express truth. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. And I think what I was so, thinking with yes, was that we were trying to suspend disbelief or make people follow us on this journey, you know, like listen to the narrative. Yeah. And I think that's different from intending to deceive. Yes. Because a writer of a novel anyway i'm thinking like they're you know we we have to be specific because i you know you can't just say writers in general because i could say like a writer of you know a political tract oh well then that flies out the window but a writer of a novel is not trying to deceive i think but they're going for like you said they they're engaging in this like partnership with the reader where the reader is going to voluntarily suspend disbelief yes so the lie is the lie on the side of the reader maybe does a reader have to lie to herself but then wasn't the the definition was to like with the intent of deceit and i don't know yes if that part is true of what the reader or writer are doing. I think they're they're yeah. trying to deceive themselves, but not hmm. But not in not definitely not in a malicious way. I forget if that was in the definition or not. I feel it like, was not. Hmm. Okay. So maybe then yeah. <laughs> so you can lie without malice. Right. Whoa. This is getting so many levels. So to deceive is to cause to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. Okay, now there I kind of disagree because we talked about truth and I think false and invalid does not ring true to me of what fiction is. Because I think, and you brought up truth, and I think to me it is a, a way of expressing truth when there's no objective way to to share it and you need to tap into fiction like I think of myself and trying to write if I try to write about my own life I can't do it in nonfiction. like it just doesn't (laughs) it doesn't ring true it sounds I don't know like it just doesn't it doesn't become a story but if I start fictionalizing I can speak from my heart and bring characters into the world that are super true to me and to things I've experienced and people I've met and people I have been and and really explore truths. And maybe that exploration is part of it too. It's taking off, suspending disbelief, suspending reality to 
to be allowed to explore different ramifications of maybe what actually happened and to see where they lead if you, you know, tweak something here or tweak something there. And by doing that and by seeing what could have happened, you're then understanding better what did happen and why it did happen, why why the true thing happened. Um, and it's almost like a thought experiment, I guess. And I think of speculative fiction yeah. specifically like that a lot, but I think all fiction is in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. And think about how, like, you and I in particular, you know, enjoy and consume and produce speculative fiction, mm-hmm. fantasy, science fiction, um, the definitely not both feet firmly planted in the what we know as objective reality. Yeah. Um, but to me, there is so much more truth in that not to say that other like genres aren't true but for me for the way that i write and think and experience the world that's like fantasy is the genre that it feels truest to write in Mm -hmm. same and i was actually thinking about that the other day too and trying to kind of reconcile what that means or why that is and I don't know that I have a good answer or that there is a good answer. Maybe this could be like a topic of its own that we could discuss another time. Oh, yes, because I, my brain is already like spinning with ideas about like how fantasy is an extension of that pattern seeking and order bringing that we were talking about. Right. Totally. And I'm thinking of your squirrel and grasshopper and how, you know, my immediate first thought is they were totally trying to tell you something. They were. but what And maybe is... they weren't trying, but maybe something was through them. Mm-hmm. And if it was like a, um, what do you call it? Realistic. That's what they call it. A realistic story. They, they would maybe be leading me somewhere where I could find meaning myself. And they were like kind of a a gateway to that but in a speculative story there would be something even more to that like it would have a deeper layer of meaning right like it would be something magical and what does that mean or it would be be them yeah. themselves having i don't know a a more human-like consciousness the animals themselves or something something different or maybe they're leading they're... you to a magical tea party deep in the forest where you will meet the wizened magical old man who will tell you your destiny probably i mean right that seems you didn't just... did you follow them i did keep following them the grasshopper led me to my cabin where i was actually walking it went the whole way which is pretty remarkable <laughs> and the squirrel it just like kept going like <laughs> it was not gonna stop <laughs> But yeah, the squirrel went, or sorry, the grasshopper went straight down the road and then it turned into my driveway, which was pretty weird. Huh. Yeah. There are so many places we could go with this story. There are so many. But I think that's all the ideas about stories I have in my head for today. Do you have any other things about stories you want to think about or share? Well, I mean, I could talk about stories forever, actually. Same. But... I think it would be really interesting to explore 
specifically at a later point, this idea about speculative mm-hmm. stories. Yeah, I want to go there too. What they mean. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go there next time. Let's go there. Let's follow that grasshopper. Let's do. Let's follow that squirrel. <laughs> there's the name of your podcast follow that squirrel follow that squirrel that's the episode name you got it (laughs) all right i think we're gonna wrap this one up uh but brenna do you want to tell listeners where they can find you on social media or the web or anywhere else i have a blog that i have recently um dusted off (laughs) at uh this is my name uh all one word brenna lane lane with a y uh dot com and i blog there um hopefully now regularly and yeah that's i'm also on twitter uh at lane underscore brenna and also need to dust that one off because uh i've kind of fallen in a hole lately and under a rock but that's where i am that happens (laughs) awesome thank you so much for joining us and for having this amazing discussion about stories i think we solved a lot of age-old questions we have figured out like why animals and human animals are different and established that fantasy is the truest form of literature (laughs) we solved a lot yeah what else did we solve um truth and lies yes it's all there all of it (laughs) thanks so much this was fun yeah thank you if you have thoughts you'd like to share about what stories mean to you we'd love to hear from you you can email your responses to this episode or ideas for future discussion topics to infinite discussion podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for listening i hope you come back and join the discussion soon see you next time